Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is episode three, Lonely in Flagstaff. So lonely. According to TLC, Mary returns to Flagstaff but still feels alone. Cody has a plan to reunite the family. Cody always has a plan. So I wrote my own episode description. I would love to hear it, Carly. I don't feel like what TLC has given us is accurate. No? Hell no. I guess that fits their MO. So here's my description. Mary fucking loves being away from the fam and avoids Flagstaff as long as possible. Mm. Cody plans to hold everyone hostage in his very own H.H. Holmes murder castle. My summary was basically grand vision of rapturous joy, like nothing you've seen before, like nothing you've done before. So buckle up, let's get down to it. Can we talk about the brand new intro for this season? This was, I'll I'll take full blame that this was wildly overlooked in our first two episodes because there was so much content to go through. It was episodes one and two aired on the same night. So we had a lot of stuff to go through. And I think, I don't know if we just skipped right past it or if we fast forwarded and missed it entirely but the intro now is like some sort of dateline 2020 murder mystery type of thing there's no there's no dialogue it's just it's it's really bizarre i thought that i was watching the oscars and we were up to the in memoriam section of the night where we were just watching all of the producers composers actors (laughs) actresses who've passed away in the past year and we're seeing images of them float by in the background from the various films that they've starred in while there's just this ominous 
tone playing. Sarah McLaughlin chimes in, you know, a a dog chained up on the fence outside in the backyard with the snow. They've completely stripped out the audio that we've had to listen to season after season after season, where they remind us of all the benefits of being a sister wife and why they've all chosen this life. They... They can't even convince us of that anymore, so they've just gone ahead and taken it out. Well, the only other show, the only other original program that TLC has had on for 14 seasons is Long Island Medium, and I'll just go ahead and say that I'm I'm more thankful to be reviewing this show because at least... Ooh, that it, would be such a good one. <laughs> I don't think it would be. Um, you know what this was really reminiscent of? If you go back and watch the very early seasons of 90 Day Fiance... The intro was very similar. The pictures just kind of flew into the screen. There was just music playing and no audio going along with it, just the pictures of the couples together. It's like fan made. Yeah. It's not a very it's not official. TLC full-time employee put work into this. It's like they renewed the show for another season and they knew it needed a refresh, mm. but they just found somebody on Fiverr to go ahead and make a new intro for them i mean that's the way to do it i'm pretty sure that if you go into powerpoint the bars that come up on the side are one of the designs that you can choose from i'd bet money on that. they literally just dropped pictures of them into powerpoint slides and made intros it's not hard no look at us we're running a show it's possible it's not hard anything's possible if you put your mind to it so we kick off episode three and it's like deja vu it's like we accidentally rewound episode two because Mary's moving to Flagstaff and she's in the house in Vegas. So we're just picking up at the beginning of episode two again for the start of episode three. We have not progressed the storyline yet. No, we're just looking at Mary's empty house. Six weeks later. We're reminded that everybody is spread out in Flagstaff, that all the homes are much further apart than they would prefer. But box it up. Second time's the charm. We're going to Flagstaff. And Cody reminds us that he wants to build one big house on that lot of land in Coyote Pass that is zoned for four homes. Mary briefly discusses why she was asked to leave the rental house that she had lined up in Flagstaff originally. And basically she just sums it up that it was due to her family structure, which I feel like there's some sort of law that prevents... Um, being evicted from your house or breaking a contract lease. Um, oh, for sure. Not, not a thing about this is legal if we're going to no. believe that this scenario really took place. Contractually, they were solid, but um, I think Mary took one look at Robin's house when they were moving there originally, and she was like, no, I got to go. I got to go. No. I got to get a bigger one. I got to one up this bitch. We need, we need something else. I'm the first wife. The houses still are not on the market. Finances are thin. To be- say the least. To say the least, because they're still paying double rent. Vegas plus Flagstaff equals broke. Now we get to see Cody has showed up to help Mary move out of Flagstaff. And did you notice? I think he did take your advice for the move. He had the top bun. Oh, I didn't notice. He had man bun. No, I didn't notice because I was too busy staring at Cody's pants, which had a giant split in them. Mm, yeah, Cody went with the uh, the trusty moving denims. That's exactly what I want to wear when I'm squatting, picking up furniture, moving things in the Las Vegas heat. Just skin tight jeans. The tighter, the better. Cody needs some moving day denim lube. What What would that consist of? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know, but I'm sure that LuLaRoe would start selling it. I'm going to put money on the fact that Cody's the kind of guy that wears jeans to the gym. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But Cody, when your ass rips, then it's broke. So fix that, please. 
So this is when we find out that Janelle had a fantasy guy in her mind before she got married to Cody. And basically, she describes him in detail, and her dream guy is not Cody. No, her dream guy is Mary's brother, mm. who she was originally married to. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I didn't know about that. Yeah, so, so she, want, she wanted a guy who had dark hair and blue eyes, but Cody's tight ass just made her look past those flaws he had. Right, the solid... Solid hips, butt thing, I believe is how she described it. And that apparently comes with some drawbacks because then you're you're flexing and busting out of denim. As she is describing this, <laughs> all the other wives are darting their eyes in every other direction aside from the camera. It's horrifying. Until finally Robin makes a joke, half-heartedly makes a joke, and they cut away. Thank God. And at that point, we hear from Christine, um, who goes into a little bit of detail about how Truly is not having a great time with the move to Flagstaff. She's pretty homesick. Right. So you do the best thing possible for a homesick kid, and you bring them back to the home that they wish they lived in. Just and drop you get, her. Right you let in the them backyard. look at all of your empty homes. Here's the backyard that you with missed. The for sale signs out front. We can't go over to your friend's house, though, because we got to pack up Mary's stuff. But I did like that uh, Christine momentarily brings up the fact that, oh, should we really be going in and walking through our backyard while we should be helping Mary move? She thinks about it for about two seconds and goes, yeah, no, let's go ahead and do that. So. Sure, let's go on a little walking tour of what used to be in the cul-de-sac. We get to walk down memory lane and see when they used to actually function as a full family. Well, debatable, but it was more of a throwback to when the family was solidified. That was right after Cody had officially adopted Robin's children, so they felt more nostalgia to that exact moment where it felt like their family was a cohesive unit. Yeah, Christine's having this conversation with Mary, and she's talking about the family tree in the cement and how it was this happy time where the family was unified. And all I could think about was, wasn't this the time when Cody divorced Mary so that he could legally marry Robin and adopt her kids? It was, I think for Mary, the time that she felt like she was most ostracized from the family. Well, the first time she felt she got the boot. Right. The first time she she officially got the boot on paper as well. (laughs) Right. So they all agree and take it upon themselves that, hey, we need to do something like this in Flagstaff. You know, we need to signify that we're here in Flagstaff and we're a family. Uh, Honestly, because I, I think they have to do this meaningless shit like this because they don't know how to show affection to each other in any other way maybe they could just walk down to the retaining pond the drainage ditch maybe they could just walk down to the drainage ditch and put their hands into the mud until the water evaporates and then they'll have some nice cement handprints in there just like what they had in the backyard yeah you just gotta that's just time that yeah You got to time it, right? It's officially time to pack Mary up and move her to Flagstaff. And she's surprised, air quotes, to be having such a hard time leaving for the second time. So she has a nice little meltdown standing in her living room. She breaks down and starts crying. Right. She's staring at the wet bar. Mary is an extra bitch. (laughs) And she loves her house. She loves Vegas. She loves this cul-de-sac. And ooh, that goddamn wet bar. She loves that shit too. This is where we this is where we get to an important part in the episode. Where 
Cody totally contradicts himself and then tries to cover it up. Well, I mean, that's the basis of religion, pretty much. That's kind of a summary of every religion ever is just contradictions and cover-ups. But yeah, there's a nice little huddle that's going on in the cul-de-sac as they're packing up the vehicles and getting ready to head back to Flagstaff. And I'm not sure who these who the other people are. There were some elderly ladies in there as well. I didn't know if you recognized them. Were they like Mary's mom? Or it seemed need, fam- family, grandma level people, but. I need a moment oh God. to complain about what is going on here from a fashion standpoint. Oh God. Because we're watching this shot. Cody is wearing one moving glove. It's a Michael Jackson thing. It's a, it's a good look. Why is Christine wearing a LuLaRoe t-shirt as a dress? She keeps tugging at it and pulling it down. It happened about 15 times in the shot. She's trying. I I would be willing to bet money that Christine is trying to connect with Mary and be like, yes, we have common ground. Speaking of Mary, she's not getting out of this either. She's wearing another drop sleeve shirt. I didn't take fashion notes on this one. How many of these shirts does Mary own? She seems to have one in every single color. So on the cul-de-sac lightning round of questions, Cody talks about needing to wash off the energy from house to house. And that was something that he used to do in the cul-de-sac. He says that he used to run around the cul-de-sac frazzled, carrying all the emotional baggage to and from each house. When has he not been running around frazzled? Ever? He's always a disheveled mess. What we learn is that Cody likes silence in a family of 20 plus people. He really enjoys the time where he gets to drive from house to house because he thinks it's a cleansing experience. So he gets in the car, he throws on a little... uh, Adult Contempo, some Phil Collins, some... I don't know. I don't know. What do you think Cody vibes to on those drives? (laughs) I think he would be like... He's got his aromatherapy air freshener going alexa play adele so this is a this is a fun part of the conversation because then one of the old ladies asks him oh so do you want to sell your property in arizona now right immediately calling him out this woman calls him out immediately because she noticed right away this is bullshit everything that you just said that you didn't like about the cul-de-sac putting everything under one roof how is that going to change that it's all going to be in the same energy space then so how does this fix that let's be real Cody has selfish motives for wanting this one house. He's tired of running from place to place to place and leaving little bits of his shit in different houses and having to go back and grab something and get bitched at by one of the wives when he goes in there and have them compare with each other the things that he's doing around the house for the other one. And four sets of taxes. Four sets of taxes. It's a lot of paperwork, That's guys. what this is all about. It was great how he immediately realized, as soon as the words came out of his mouth, that he was going to need to now defend the big house. And I believe the, the words that he used to kind of summarize that were polygamy is is a dichotomy of contradiction. Whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) In the most epic part of the episode, Mary tells the production crew that being away from the family has been easy. Lols. (laughs) She did. She giggled hard. I think she was surprised at her honesty in that moment too. And so it caught her off guard. It seemed like Mary had kicked back a few drinks at that wet bar before she closed things up. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mary explains that she doesn't like watching the relationships that Cody has with Janelle, Christine, and Robin, 
which I guess is understandable. But then again, maybe if you hadn't had an affair, your husband wouldn't hate you. Real talk. She explains out of sight, out of mind. As long as she's not witnessing it, it doesn't hurt her or affect her as much. She just wants these bitches out of her face. So then we hit the road. We're heading to Flagstaff. And I think they used every single roll of gaff tape that the production team had to cover up the Penske logo on those trucks, which was strange because they covered them up for this episode. But, but they didn't they, for the previous, they right? didn't for the previous. I thought the same thing. I was like, there is so much damn tape on this truck. Yeah, I don't. It was so obvious. I don't know why. They pull up to the house and Mary makes the move official by buying an Arizona sweatshirt. I came. I saw, I bought the t-shirt. I was hoping that she would have had one that was like, I moved to Flagstaff and all I got was this shitty disposition. I moved to Flagstaff and all I got was this shitty sweatshirt. (laughs) Right. This shitty hoodie. (laughs) Shitty hoodie. Hashtag shitty hoodie. I moved to Flagstaff and all I got was this shitty gas station hoodie. Yeah, and it's it doesn't even have like a name of a school or a town. It's just no, it says Arizona. No, this is literally a the gas state. station sweatshirt. The state of Arizona. She was like, oh, fuck. I got to look more enthusiastic about this move. I better buy this sweatshirt for $45.95 <laughs> before I get back in the car with my, my Coke. At the rest stop. At the rest stop. Mary was like, give me a pack of Marlboros <laughs> and the... <laughs> And I'll take the hoodie in white. Uh, Three of the $5 scratch-offs, please. And one of those airplane-sized bottles of tequila. <laughs> Can you shove it in the in the hoodie hole, though? In the pouch? Please call it a pocket, <laughs> please, because that's what it is. <laughs> Can, well, a kangaroo pouch, I guess, but... Can you shove it in the hoodie pouch, though? Because I'm traveling with a bunch of Mormons. <laughs> they can't, know. And I'm not allowed to have this. No. I got to restack my new wet bar. <laughs> Which she might have a few because based on the size of the house, when they're pulling up to this thing, wow, it is enormous. It's the Taj Mahal of Flagstaff. So they pull up to this house. Massive. Massive. It's so big. It it's, has three garage ports. It's on this huge hill and the whole house is like integrated. It's like house on Haunted Hill, but it is the hill. It's like the hills have eyes. It is the mountain. It is the mountain. Later, Robin explains that it's built into the side of the mountain, but- The house is the mountain. This house has been here for millennia, and the earth has just grown up around it. It's like a troll home. So this is when we cut to a lovely moment on the couch where Robin asks Mary, so are you happy to finally be in Flagstaff? And Mary says, I mean, it's good to be here with the family for sure. Yeah, we get to be friends and And neighbors. neighbors again. Hey, neighbors are cool. And she gives the biggest fake ass smile and this little like shrug. I'm surprised she didn't hit Robin with some finger guns too, just to kind of drive the point home. I felt like in this scene, I was watching myself trying to connect with a bunch of women who are real touchy feely friendly. It was really hard for Mary to turn her resting bitch face upside down (laughs) and pretend for even just a few moments that she actually wanted to be here and befriend the, the other sister wives. The amount of energy that that expels is, it takes a toll. She couldn't even, after all these seasons of being on the show, and I'm sure saying things that she didn't really mean, she couldn't even deliver it in a way that was half believable. So now let's go ahead and back that thing up uh, because Cody's going to try and back this fucking Penske truck up the winding driveway through the mountain. 
He is putting that moving trucks insurance policy to work. Ooh, he's he's taking it right up the mountain pass. He's trying to he's trying to find a spot to uh, drop the sucker off. But there is a garage at the top, so that is the end goal. Whoa, 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 whoa! There are three garages at the top. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a landing zone at the top right. that he's, he's got targeting. a big target to choose from. But the way to get up there is treacherous. Mary made sure that whatever house she chose, no one was ever going to want to come back up this fucking driveway to come visit her. And if Cody's jeans weren't ripped before, uh, they are split all the way now from measuring the distance of the driveway by, I don't know, he was like goose stepping, stretching. I don't know what he was calculating. Again, math isn't his strong suit. He looked like a cartoon burglar taking big tiptoe steps across the driveway. That, yeah, I mean, that was it. There's no standard unit of measurement that he appears to be using. No, no, because I'm assuming I wish there was footage of him doing this alongside the truck, too, because I think that was what he was trying to do was determine if the landing strip at the top had enough room to actually fit the truck. But what you have to think about is when it's steep and winding, there's a turning radius of that truck. There's like a wall that's in play on on both sides going up. And it's all steep angles. Right. And Mary makes the other wives stand at each end of the castle's driveway. And she does what I would do when giving directions to a moving vehicle. She just starts yelling and waving her hands in the air. Yeah. Cue the montage. At one point, she grabs the truck like she's in an action movie or fucking Twilight and can move it with her mind. Like she's going to stop it from sheer force of will. This 30,000 pound truck that's full of all your shit. Moving into this house sucks. Of course it sucks. Mary sucks. And she picked it. Because then we also have Cody's call and response. Because then he does. He proceeds to back immediately into a wall and asks am i hitting something as you see the truck violently shake on impact if the moving truck is rocking don't come a knocking yes if cody says he and mary are starting their relationship over they don't live together but they do go out once in a while because spending almost no time together is the best way to repair a relationship carly what what would those date nights look like going out once in a while with Cody and Mary. I imagine they go to Applebee's for like riblets and shrimp. They eat in silence. Sometimes they just cut the whole thing out and they go through the drive through Maybe a quesadilla burger if they're feeling up for it. Mm, love me a good quesadilla I know, burger. I know you do that. Cody takes her to get her tires rotated. Well, that's more of a chore. That's a thing that you actually have to do. Right, but I think... It- I think in Cody's mind, count like, it. taking her, count it. Count it. This is time served. So Mary's assessment of their relationship now is hopeless. She, she feels hopeless. Rebuilding the relationship isn't where she wants it to be, and it's not going the speed that she wants it to go. Cody immediately gaslights her and claims that he's doing this purposely and that he's being measured and moving things slowly. When the truth is, he really just doesn't want to put in the effort because he don't like her. Mary takes this moment to imitate a chicken noise and and makes wings with her arms and mocks him Mary openly. shoves her fists into her pink drop sleeve t-shirt. Because that's a great way to delicately rebuild a damaged relationship. And box at him like a chicken. So then Christine rolls up. I can't tell if she's being condescending when she says it's the most beautiful thing that she's ever seen in her entire life. Reminder that Christine is sleeping in a converted living room and Janelle can't fit the food she needs to feed her children in her cabinets. Yeah, but Mary breaks down the numbers for us, and it's roughly $175 more per month for 
three times the house that she was originally going to have in Flagstaff. It'd be stupid not to. Right. Why downsize and save money when you can spend more money and get more space that you don't need? Right. It's It'd be dumb not to. So now it's tour time at the house on Haunted Hill. And Mary has a big surprise for everybody. She's got to lay down the ground rules so everybody gather up at the front door. Listen up. Don't anybody open any doors when we go inside because I don't want you fuckers knowing that I have an elevator. Brianna takes the opportunity to make a coming out of the closet joke at this point. I don't think it was a joke made in love. Oh, clearly not. It, it made was me weird. uncomfortable. It was it was uncomfortable to watch. So Mary leads everyone in to the house now, and she's building for this big elevator reveal. And the kids immediately point to the door and ask why they're standing in front of an elevator. Mary is still shitty in the ITM about how she didn't get to unveil the big surprise that the kids somehow figured out that there was an elevator. It's a door with a huge button next to it on the wall. Also, she didn't do what you do when you're trying to keep kids from seeing something. You walk them past something as quickly as possible so that they don't recognize it. Right. So they cram as many people as they can into this elevator. This gave me PTSD. Yeah. As a person who has been stuck in an elevator before, all I could think about was... Check your elevator privilege. Check your elevator privilege at the door with the button. All I could think about was being alone in this giant house and taking the elevator one day thinking, this is great. I have an elevator in my house. I should use it. This is how I die. Nobody is coming to visit Mary. It would be days before anybody knew that she was stuck in this elevator. They would find her mummified corpse clutching that elevator door. Thing of nightmares. It's it's house on Haunted Hill. So Not Co- a selling point. No. So Cody tries to make it a game for the rest of the unlucky souls who did not get onto the elevator. Hey, let's run up four flights of stairs and just go ahead and meet everybody up at the top floor. Everyone has to run through Mary's house and pretend to be happy for her. There's a waterfall. There's a water feature. There's a fucking waterfall. And at this point, I think Mary would have been better off just leasing an abandoned mall because there's probably plenty of those in Flagstaff and it might have saved her might have saved her some money. There's a wet bar. Another wet bar in her bedroom. There were two walk-in closets. They mentioned in passing that there's four bedrooms, two of which are masters, and those two masters are on two different floors, which is when Cody points out and gets everyone to agree how amazing it would have been to have this place as their main home when they were younger. Cody runs through the house and picks which room is going to be his. So I love the flashback because Cody's trying to point out the fact that they could all live in this house. This could have been their main house at one point. To the single wide trailer that Christine wants to erase from her memories. It's like a Christine Vietnam flashback. What is that? Yeah, there were three wives living in this house. Oh, in the double wide ranch trailer? Yes. Dorito Cool Ranch trailer? (laughs) (laughs) We just offended so many people. Love to the trailers out there. Love my Doritos out there. Nothing wrong with a single wide trailer. Cool Ranch family forever. But what is wrong with a single wide trailer is trying to fit your three wives in there. Now we're getting to the part in my notes that I have for this segment called Lunch Wives, Woe is Mary. Let's go to lunch. Let's go to lunch. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not talking about Mary's 40-foot Penske truck. This is the first time that all four sister wives have gotten together since Mary has moved to Flagstaff. It's been two months for the rest of them in Flagstaff, roughly. And they're in an attic? 
yeah, what the fuck is going on with this bed and breakfast place? In it's, a restaurant with one table? It's like an Amishville table in an upstairs bedroom with like a slanty ceiling that I would bump my head on if I stood up straight. The cameras can like barely even fit in there with them. Oh, and I bet you money there is probably one of those creepy ass half doors to a crawl space in one of the corners that we can't see. Oh, and I know that's totally that's on the other wall. Oh, and I know that scares you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something to fear. So they're eating lunch in a haunted attic. Mary bitches that she only slept for a few hours last night. So we're getting her excuse up front for why she isn't going to be enthusiastic or interested in the conversation at this lunch. And also disclaimer, she woke up and didn't even want to come to lunch. So we're just lucky that she's even here. She's gracing us with her presence despite always her difficult night of sleep. Mary complains that with this move, she's just really guarded with all of her relationships right now and her walls are up. Again, none of this is new information for Mary. No, we've heard her say this dozens of times for 14 seasons now. This is her standard operating procedure. Christine calls out Janelle for even wanting to do lunch since she's the one who hates going to lunch together. I'm on Janelle's side with this because who wants to go to lunch, especially a fucking fake TV lunch? Lunch is boring. Where you sit at a table and you can't eat a goddamn thing. So Janelle's trying to point out here, obviously lunch is boring. Let's fly somewhere and make it an outing because that was what she was saying in Seattle. How many travel excursion outings do you think they could pay for if they weren't paying nine different sets of living expenses? They could probably go to New York for lunch. They could probably do a couple few round trips. They could go down to New Orleans, get some beignets. Christine and Janelle say that the isolation is really getting to them. Christine talks about a time where she felt isolated and she was convinced that the rest of the family was happy without her and that they were just mad at her, but it was all in her head. Mm. And honestly, sounds like what Mary's doing to herself. Yeah. Janelle talks about how white suburbia sucks, that she just parks her car in the garage and doesn't leave for a few days and just works. And I was like, same, Janelle, same. Now, this is a point where in a normal human interaction they could all kind of commiserate just like what christine did where janelle was talking about how she's feeling isolated having this experience personally moving to flagstaff going over different coping methods robin doesn't really do this because obviously she's not lonely because that's probably where cody is half the time anyway all the time all the time 100 percent. mary however takes this as a personal challenge thinking that it's a complaining match and she has to win so mary throws down the gauntlet and trumps them with the story about how she's being victimized by having to sleep on a king-size mattress on the floor because she has no one else who can help her move she's all alone in the Taj Mahal. She's a single white female up in that castle. No children to assist her, no house servants, sleeping on a mattress on the floor and hauling boxes up her elevator. Why else would you have three sister wives if they were not to be your servants? Mary doesn't know how beds are put together. Mary lost the instructions to how to put together her king-size bed frame from Ikea. Even worse, she lost that specific tool that only one that works on that screw that tiny little wrench that you use to put together all the screws in that ikea furniture so robin suggests hey why don't you use janelle's moving guy janelle had a moving guy so then we get to find out that yes they have been paying people to assist with this financially irresponsible move on top of all the other living expenses that they're incurring agree with janelle though 
Hiring movers is about the best money you can spend. Janelle says hire it done about five times and admits that it's the best thing that she ever did. And Mary instantly gets shitty because she feels like family helps one another and that they should all be volunteering to drag her furniture up the four staircases in her big ass house. Not only that, the family should come to her palace and tend to her needs without being directly asked by Mary. She needs them to read her mind and know what she needs. So 10 points for Robin here. She comes right out with it. She admits that she does not want to meet up with Mary to haul boxes up and down those stairs. Right. She'll come to do other things, but not move her shit up and down the stairs that nearly killed her during the walkthrough. Robin describes Mary's rental house with a folklore air to it where there's this big old house and it's built up the side of a mountain and in that house lives a grumpy old ogre and that house is covered in stairs that make robin just about faint so it's kind of this whole dystopian atmosphere that's built around mary's rental that she chose so if you pick your steps you got to climb them by yourself there are major trust issues in this family and we saw lots of opportunities to build trust among the wives that were just totally missed at this lunch. And all I could say is, y'all need a new therapist. Hire Janelle's guy. Janelle's guy was great. We already got a guy. We got a guy. We got a guy to do that. He does stairs. And that I don't... guy is not Cody. No. Cody is a very busy person. And honestly, he's not there for any of us. So The last thing on Cody's list of things that he needs to do is help his wives move into the houses that he forced them to uproot their lives from and move into. So this is the point where Christine also tries to jump in and assist as well, where she points out her kids have volunteered multiple times to assist Mary with moving in, with unpacking, but Mary has never called them or taken them up on their offer. Mary just wants everybody to show up at her house one day and say, Hey, Mary, thought that you might be having a difficult time moving by yourself since you're here alone. We all came to move all of your stuff for you. We just thought that might be a thing that was happening, even though you didn't communicate it to us. And then she wants to get upset about that and hold it against them for showing up and inconveniencing her because she wasn't planning to move in that day. I don't know what she does with the rest of the day. Tells LuLaRoe. Right, I guess so. Filling LuLaRoe orders. So Mary pulls out the smallest violin in the world, and begins to play the song. Their love and caring for me is conditional. We'll love you if we can do something fun, but not if you need something done. Which, that should be a Flagstaff bumper sticker. Now, this is all a lot of bullshit. Rather than stewing for two weeks about how no one wants to help her or come up with all these crazy stories in her head, Mary could have thought maybe everybody else is still moving their own stuff. Makes sense. They got five kids. They got kids. Maybe their kids are still busy adjusting to new schools, Mm. new schedules. Yeah, getting into school. Or maybe everyone is just fucking tired of moving at this point. It's not a fucking personal attack on you. Again, it's the second time that they've helped Mary move to Flagstaff because the first time they packed her up, they unpacked her first, then they packed her up again and moved her back to Vegas, and then they packed her up in Vegas, and then they're bringing her back. These are friend rules. You don't ask your friends to help you move more than once in a calendar year. But for Mary... They're not friends. They're family. We find out that they set an alarm and pray together at the same time every day, even though they're living apart. So each morning, all of the wives in their own respective homes, 
15, 20, 30 minutes away from each other, spread out all over Flagstaff, take some time out of their morning, well, except for Mary, to pray. Right. Christine, Janelle, and Robin are all participating in this conversation to the camera, and Mary says, not a goddamn thing. So there is footage of Christine doing this with Cody. There's footage of Janelle doing this. There's footage of Robin doing this. Mysteriously, no footage of Mary. No footage of Mary. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So Christine and Janelle, who seem to be the closest of the two sister wives, at least in Flagstaff, yeah, start telling a story about how they have gone on walks together to meet up, get out of the house, um, spend some time together. And Mary feels the need to join in the conversation by again trying to one up everyone with a sob story. And we learn that there was a time where she came to visit when she was still living back in Vegas away from the family and she was here in Flagstaff for a weekend or something. And she decided she was going to go for a walk and just happened to end up on a trail near Robin's house. But she never went to visit Robin. No, which Robin promptly calls her out on and starts a sister wives fight. But 10 points to Robin again for calling Mary out directly immediately in that moment for saying you didn't you came by my house, but you didn't bother to reach out to me and try to visit with me. And Mary comes back at her with, well, you didn't reach out to me either. Bitch. What is she, a psychic? How is Robin supposed to know that Mary is walking on a path near her house? I just want to let you know that I'm mad at you because yesterday I decided I was going to go on a walk and I ended up near your house. You didn't know. You didn't invite me to your house Why when I was walking by. Why didn't you invite me to your house? Why didn't you invite yourself to come join me on my walk? That I didn't tell you about. Do you want to know the truth why nobody's reaching out to each other and why everybody's complaining? It's because the cameras weren't there. TLC is the single piece of off-brand scotch tape that's holding this whole house of cards together now. The only time they meet up and are mildly civil with each other is when they can sit down and get a TLC paycheck. Do it for the cameras. Do it for the cameras. It's a show. At the end of the day, it's a show. Janelle has a real easy solution to all this. 
What she wants to do is slap together a calendar where they can put days on there planned way ahead of time that they can spend time together. Shared calendar. Great idea. She also is taking into effect Mary has a busy travel schedule. She wants to give her plenty of notice, so then that way she could be there. But Mary takes this as an advantage to immediately divert. She starts to dismiss herself from events that haven't even been scheduled yet by saying don't be mad if i can't make it guys but don't be mad if i can't make it which is code for i'll cancel when i don't want to see you which is always mary's gonna show up to these sister wives get togethers with a shirt that says sorry i'm late i didn't want to come so this is when janelle is pretty much sick of mary's shit and she gets that there's problems between mary and cody But she feels that the sister-wife relationships and the family relationships exist together but separate from the whole husband relationship as well. So she knows that there's tension, that she knows that there's problems, but nobody addresses anything in the family. Robin fake cries on cue about Mary wanting to be alone. I wonder how many times they had to start that take. When a friend tells you that they want to be alone, it's because you're being annoying. Like, and first of all, I don't think I've been in a relationship where that discussion has come up since I was like eight, where you tell someone, I just need some time to be alone. More disturbingly, no one takes their leftovers. They just leave them behind on the table in the attic. There was a lot of food on that table. Cody invites his plague friend, Nathan, who he knows is going to just jerk off to the one home concept. Because it's always important to get realistic feedback and anticipate questions prior to a presentation. Right. Because Cody keeps talking about the one house that we want to build, the royal we. I guess it's like him and the prairie dog in his pocket. Nathan looks like Ed Kemper without glasses. (laughs) Nate. Google it. Oh, good old Nate coming through in the clutch for Cody's soft launch. Google Ed Kemper. The first fan of the Cody Castle. He's got he's got to get somebody else on board with this before he goes in to the lion's den and tries to pitch this. Now we get to see a flashback where Christine says that she's happy to be neighbors, but not live with her sister wives. And Cody admits that he knows all of his wives' opinions, but he's just going to totally ignore them. He concedes that it is, it's a big ask. Cody and Nathan think that cat is magic. Ultra realistic drawing, Carly. Why is please, this? Please call them what they are. Why is this house so big when they have like a handful of kids left who are still under 18? It's the Cody Castle and it is in all its glory. By the time they build this house, there are going to be even less kids who are actually able to live in it full time. But I think when he originally designed the blueprints, wasn't he talking about each wife having a room for each kid so they always have a room to come back to to visit and stay I don't know. In? That's crazy. That would be right in their wheelhouse of asks, wants, and needs for this build. Is there a secret wing for a fifth wife who's going to pop out more kids to live in this house? I hope so. He That must be why Cody's so busy is he's actually out and about he's in Arizona. actively recruiting. Actively. I don't know. I'm just saying they better add on a TLC wing to this house if they want to keep the show going and keep everybody on staff. It's going to be like Skywalker Ranch out there. I didn't understand because they showed us just one level of the house and the cat design from the outside looked way bigger than what we saw. So I'm trying to figure out what are the rest of the rooms in this house. No one else is ever going to buy this house from them. They are going to have to burn this house to the ground with all of those electrical sockets they said they needed to install in order to make their money back. I don't know. You plug in a couple Mormon meat lockers into that baby and uh, it's going to go up like a powder keg. 
Where is the quarantine room for all of the kids who have come down with the plague? Yeah, I feel like Cody's going to need to build a decontamination chamber Mm -hmm. at each wife's wing. um, So then that way he can... They're going to need a panic room. Emotionally decompress after leaving each section of the house. So Cody, Cody ends up setting his presentation goal pretty much as low as you possibly can. He's just hoping for a general wife consensus of now that. I would consider. Doesn't need a warm reception on it. Just wants to get the get the idea going, get the juices flowing. Right. So all the wives have their own quarters to retreat to. Because we have to put up the money for four houses anyway, so why not do a castle? Mary is not going to be okay with being downgraded to 1,200 square feet. I didn't see a wet bar in that blueprint. The, re- <laughs> the utility bill is going to be a nightmare. Right. Heating and cooling alone in what I can only imagine will be 40,000 square feet. It'll double as a megachurch if they need it to. So I'm hoping that that's Cody's backup plan. Maybe they're going for a tax break. Maybe it's Kanye. a church yeah, maybe, and a home. Maybe Kanye will come in. Ooh, do Sunday service? He'll do Sunday service. Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. He'll lead it. They're closed on Sunday, though, so you have to buy it on Saturday and then reheat it on Sunday. How awkward to watch your husband leave your quarters and go to another sister wife's quarters for the night after you get in a fight. Well, I guess it's the same as walking across the street in a cul-de-sac. It's probably pretty similar. I mean, I can't judge that. I do like that Cody cannot stop singing his own praises about how wonderful of an idea this whole separate but equal house is going to be for everybody and how it overwhelms him with hope. The Browns versus the Cody Brown <laughs> Mega Church Board of Education. <laughs> Separate but equal. Separate but equal. Oh. Except for Mary. First wife. Privilege. Cody starts crying since this is the biggest challenge that polygamists face, in his opinion, living in one place. But it can't be that unobtainable, right? Because they just had it in Vegas and squandered it by nuking it with this whole Flagstaff idea. And Cody comes up with a plan that is so manipulative that it has yet to be rivaled on this show. Well, we've already established to Robin last episode that it's going to be a light Christmas anyway, so I better go ahead and make it a double and just ruin Christmas by introducing this idea. So so Cody is armed with the Christmas present that all his wives want, another presentation about the single family home that he wants to build. There's only a few weeks to go, but, but Cody's ready. Uh, I don't think Kinkos is ready, but Cody's ready. Cody's ready. Cody breaks down here and admits that he just wanted to have a safe and vulnerable moment with a friend who will wish this idea upon him with his whole heart. Uh, That is before he has to be berated with questions and worn down by the wives fighting against him. I cannot wait to see this. Grand vision of rapturous joy. It is going to be hilarious. Like nothing you've seen before, like nothing you've done before. And that brings us to the end of this episode. We've got to wrap things up because it turns out Taco Bell and wine are a toxic combination. There is trouble (laughs) a-brewing. Have you heard the good news? You can listen to new episodes every Sunday on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you like the show, the best way to support us is by leaving us an iTunes review. Or any review, honestly. Whatever one you download to, just do that. You're already there. Don't forget to share the podcast. Share with a lonely friend who just moved to Flagstaff. Share it with someone who may be stuck in their home elevator and has some time to listen. Eat some Taco Bell, drink some wine, fart in an elevator, and then tell the person, listen to this podcast. (laughs) 
You can also follow us on Twitter at surviving underscore pod. I post so many reaction GIFs. If you are a lover of GIFs, I'm a gif you. You're going to want to follow this account. It's the gifts that keep on giving. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.